Okay, uh, the title of the series, our Christmas teaching series is Travel Light. And the title, I don't know if it means a lot to you, but I've been thinking about it and using it at home. And in fact, my wife um, doesn't appreciate it so much because when she's frustrated or upset with something, I'll say, Travel Light, dear, Travel Light. She says, I can preach to her on Sunday. I don't need to preach to her during the week. <laughs> anyway, uh, but just the title of this series has been helpful to me to uh, kind of slow down, to tone down, to travel light. So first week we talked about traveling light with our physical stuff. We all got so much stuff, kind of letting go some of that stuff so it would be uh, lighter. I've gotten rid of about 10 boxes of books this week. I still got about 20 more boxes to go, but uh, I'm working on it. And then last week we talked more about, I guess you would call it emotional clutter, um, and uh, specifically about frustration and bitterness. And today's topic is letting go of distractions. I would call this letting go of mental clutter, um, which I think is probably a challenge for all of us. So we're starting these, these lessons uh, with this reminder. This world is not our home. And I've got to think about it. When I go on vacation, I don't take everything with me. And uh, we just take what we need. And uh, I'm not really concerned. Occasionally, I'll fix something on the house that we're staying in or whatever. But, you know, we just probably basically leave it the way we found it when we, uh, when we got there, when we, uh, when we leave. Um, we know we're not going to be there long. Yeah. We're just vacationing. And uh, carrying that on to the concept that, you know, we're just passing through this world. And... Uh, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, whatever we might have on this planet, but it's just passing through. It's not our home. Our home is in eternity with Jesus. So let me ask you all a question. Can't see hands at home, but um, how many of you find it hard at times to focus? Raise your hand. Probably everybody's hand's going to be up. Now, I'm not going to ask you how many have trouble focusing when I'm speaking, because I don't want to see those hands. I got some, again, in the second service, first service, I <laughs> the second service. Uh, my goal is not to bore you. Hopefully I don't do that uh, too much. Uh, so we get easily distracted, don't we? So I put a definition of distractions on your outline. It's an interesting definition to me because I never thought about it as being pulling apart. Pulling apart, separating, most of we think of it as a drawing of the mind in different directions. I want to f- be here, but I'm distracted over here. Now, our spiritual enemy, the evil one, the devil, Satan, whatever name you prefer, wants to distract you and I from God and God's work, right? Uh, things that we should be doing. So I put on your outline this statement. <clears throat> the devil doesn't need to destroy you and I. In fact, I don't believe theologically he can destroy us. But he can destroy our, our ministry, our efforts. Um, devil can't destroy you if he can distract you. So if I'm distracted, I'm not about God's business, about things that he would want me to do. Satan's so happy. He doesn't need to destroy us if he can distract us. So we're going to look at an example or story from Jesus' life about a person that was distracted and try and draw some conclusions that might help us deal with distractions um, today. So this, is a, this story is in Luke chapter 10. Uh, we're going to begin in verse uh, 38. 
Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. They were up north and they're headed south toward Jerusalem. You said we were there a couple of years ago. It's kind of neat to have a picture of it. Um, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him and them. So you got a picture, it's just not him. Most likely it's probably 13 of thems or more into her home. Now she had a sister. sister's name was Mary. Now Mary was sitting at the Lord's feet. Now this is unusual because it was probably a men's, you know, just a men thing. Um, you know, Jesus and the disciples and Lazarus and maybe some other men. So this was kind of countercultural for her to be sitting there with them and she's actually sitting at the Lord's feet, kind of uh, looking at him and listening to him teach, uh, listening to what he taught. The text goes on. Martha, on the other hand, Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him teaching. Martha, on the other hand, now the, the text describes it this way, was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. Now, I don't blame Mary. I mean Martha, excuse me. Let me ask you, if Jesus was coming to your house, what would you do? Ladies, cook a meal? Guys, would you cut the grass or whatever it needed to be done? We all would, wouldn't we? We would make preparations so that he would be as welcoming, welcomed and comfortable as possible. And so that's what Martha's doing. Now, she's seeing her sister Mary as... Worst case scenario, lazy, or better, just kind of oblivious to what's going on. Um, so, she came to Jesus, meaning Martha, and says, Lord, Lord, Lord. Right. Now, he's, I don't know if she interrupted him teaching or what. Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister... It's just sitting here while I'm doing all the work. Now, folks, I can't condemn Martha for feeling that way, can you? Sometimes Martha gets a bad rap. In fact, I'm glad there's Marthas in the world. Otherwise, none of us would eat, right? So thank God for Marthas. But she comes to Jesus, well, I'm going to use the word complaining maybe. Yeah, I guess it's complaining. And then she says, uh, Jesus, why don't you tell her to come help me? Now, some, uh, this concept of unfairness. Folks, do we want to be treated fairly? No, none of us want to be treated fairly. Um, but we don't want other people to be treated better than us <laughs> or more fairly than us or more graciously than us. In this case... Doesn't seem fair, does it? Martha's doing the work, and Mary's not. <clears throat> One translation uses the phrase, don't you care? And when life seems unfair, it's easy for us to say to God, don't you care? Because if you cared, God, my life would be fair or even better than fair. So, seems unfair. Or, or, Jesus, don't you care that I'm doing all the work and Mary's not helping me? Now, I also thought it was interesting she was telling Jesus what to do. You ever do that? Yeah, you and I do that all the time. We say, uh, Jesus, um, heal this person, or make this situation different than it is. Um, anyway, 
And prayer, in some respects, is telling Jesus <laughs> what you want him to do, and that's what she's doing. Now, this word prepare is interesting. In the Greek, in the original language, that word is, can be translated ministry, or more loosely, serving. Now, Jesus said that he didn't come to be served, but to serve. And so that's the mantra for all of us that are Jesus followers, and if you're not, we're glad, certainly glad you're listening or here. Uh, our mantra is just to be like Jesus, which means we aren't here to be served, but to serve. So that's exactly what Martha's doing. She is serving. That's the next slide, by the way. Preparation equals ministry or serving. So she's doing something admirable, something God would honor. So what's the problem? Well, it's not actually what she's doing. It's more, and we'll see this in a minute, uh, the way she's thinking. So the text goes on. <clears throat> but the Lord said to her, so she said, okay, it's unfair, don't you care? Mary's, should, don't, tell Mary to help me. But the Lord said to her, it's interesting, Jesus often didn't respond <laughs> the way we would like or expect him to respond. He says, my dear Martha, so he's being kind, he says, you are worried and upset. So that's part of the problem, right? She's worried and upset over all these details. And don't we get worried and upset sometimes about all the details, fret and worry and concern ourselves? It's interesting to me, I've thought of this before. In the Scripture, we find no place where Jesus was ever in a hurry. I don't know about you, I hurry around a lot. Seems like I can get more done if I hurry, right? Jesus didn't hurry. And so, we're busy about a lot of stuff. Uh, we hurry around, we're distracted. And it's easy to be distracted. Um, but Jesus didn't, again, rebuke her serving. That wasn't a problem. That was a good thing. He didn't rebuke her acts of serving, but her attitude. She had a frustration that may have been turned into a root of bitterness, as we talked about last week. Now, we find out later in Scripture that Mary and Martha had a, had a fine relationship uh, with this, this incident. So, text goes on, Jesus goes on, he says this. <clears throat> but a few things are needed. So you're, you know, you're frustrated and busy with a lot of details. Just only a few details, a few things that are needed. And then he says, really only one. <laughs> and Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen what is better. Um, what is that one thing? What is that one thing that's needed? Uh, we'll answer that a little bit later. So often, for you and I, the big, most difficult decision isn't between good and bad. Hopefully you don't struggle with doing bad stuff all the time. Um, even if you're not a Jesus follower, most of us are quote-unquote pretty good people. So our struggle isn't really often about, ah, I don't want to do that bad thing. What is it? What's the struggle? Often the most difficult choices are between, aren't between good and bad, but between good and best. So how do we choose what is best? I'm going to give you a couple thoughts from the, this passage of Scripture and some others. So choosing what is be better, 
First, we've got to diminish distractions, right? Distractions are, keep, are keeping us from doing what is better uh, to doing other things. So I came across this text. There's this, this spiritual principle tucked in this conversation Paul is having with the church in Corinth about should you get married or should you stay single and, and so forth. He's saying if you're married, stay married. If you're single, I think it would be better if you stay single because being married could be a distraction. But if the fact that you're not married is a distraction, <laughs> then get married. Now, here's the principle. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. So he didn't say you've got to be married, you've got to be single, whatever. Here's the principle. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord what? Best. Okay? So hopefully we're serving the Lord, but not just serving the Lord, but serving the Lord the best we can. And what's part of serving the Lord the best we can? With as few distractions as possible. So do you want to be just a mediocre Christian or a mediocre Jesus follower or are you just getting by in your, in your Christian life, just kind of average? Or do you want to be better than average? I don't know about you. I'm kind of a per se part, uh, uh, an A personality, you know, kind of driven type person. So I, I don't like average. I like to be better than average. But we have so many distractions. Now, most of you are not going to like this, but I want to talk to you about a big distraction in our world today. How many of you have one of these things? All right. 20 years ago, we didn't have these. So all of history up to 20 years ago, nobody had one of these things. Now, these serve a good, I mean, a good purpose. I, I go out running on the trail. I take this with me. If I fall down, I can call my wife, whatever. Uh, you know, it's got a purpose. I have a Bible app on here. Uh, a lot of good stuff. But according to statistics, this is probably the biggest distraction in your life and mine. The average person cannot go more than 12 minutes without looking at their phone. Now, I don't know about you, but when I study, I like to study like blocks of half an hour, hour at a time. Um, I don't look at mine every 12 minutes. That means somebody else is looking at theirs more than every 12 minutes. Um, I'm above the average or below the average, whatever you want to look at the other, another statistic, and there's lots of statistics, I understand. Uh, those of you on Facebook, the average person spends two hours on Facebook a day. I found that mind-boggling. I, took, I turned my uh, notification off on mine because it popped up. I would look at it. It's usually, yeah, you know, somebody doing this or somebody doing that. So now, in fact, one day this week, I almost forgot to look at Facebook. <laughs> it was the end of the day. I looked at it. It was somebody... Uh, attended our church whose birthday was that day, so I was able to wish them a happy birthday. And so, again, there's good stuff that you can do with this thing. But overall, it is a huge distraction. And of course, you get those notifications. Uh, Apple does it anyway. I know other phones where you spent this many hours on your phone this week, and that's up. <laughs> if you say it's up this week over last week, uh, uh, you know, it's mind-boggling. Again, good stuff, you know, I can watch, you know, uh, read Christian blogs and Christian uh, uh, videos and stuff on that phone too. But that's a huge, that's just one possible distraction in your life. So, your life, my life, your time, my time is too valuable to just let it be wasted by 
distractions. Came across uh, somebody's called these Satan's three deadly D's. And I thought, yeah, that, that, that's pretty accurate. And the first one of these deadly D's is distraction. Being distracted from what's best. Secondly, what happens is that often brings about discouragement. You ever have one of those days, the days get basically over and it seems like, when did I get done today? And then, you know, that's discouraging, right? Your day went by and it didn't seem to get anything done. If you go back and look at it, you probably were distracted a lot that day. And then ultimately, you get to the place where it's doubt. Because when I'm discouraged, I say, okay, God, why am I discouraged? Why isn't this different? Why isn't my life better? Why is this happening, etc.? Came across the story of a uh, priest in a small country church, and he was uh, doing a really effective ministry, and church was growing, and he was connecting with people and so forth. And so Satan gets a couple of his demons. He said, I want you to go there and destroy this guy's ministry. And so they go, and they try this, and they try that, and they couldn't distract this pre- young priest. And, um, or priest, I wasn't a young priest, but a priest. And uh, we come back to Satan and said, we tried everything we could think of and, you know, we can't distract him. Satan said, ah, this is easy. You go back and tell him that his younger brother has just been promoted, he's also a priest, promoted to bishop. They said, ah, it can't be that easy. So they go back and tell this priest. Let's his priest know this. And before long, it was, he was dis- his ministry was falling apart. All because he was distracted by, in this case, envy. Of his, why was he promoted, and he's younger than me, to bishop, and I wasn't? So distractions can bring discouragement, can bring doubt, and can bring uh, negative things into our life. So, here's a suggestion. Treat distractions the same as you, and I should have put the word should, <laughs> treat Temptations. So how, you, how should you and I treat temptations? Should we just flirt with temptation? What should we do with temptations? All right. There's this uh, uh, proverb where Solomon's talking to this young man about walking down the street and seeing past a house of a lady who has uh, immoral. My text uh, says immoral woman my Bible. And here's what he says, okay? Don't get as close as you can. Don't get, you know, here's what he says to her. Run from her. Don't go near the door of her house. It's, I don't know about you, but sometimes I tend to want to flirt with temptation. We get this idea, I want to get as close as I can, enjoy as much as I can without actually crossing the line of sin. You ever felt that? Ever done that? No, no, that's not the way we should treat temptation. If temptation's over here, I should go this way. So if distractions are over here, I need to go that way. I need to not carry my phone with me 24-7. I need not look at it every 10, 12 minutes. So, deal with distractions on one hand. On the other hand, or the other side, flip side of this coin is this. If we want to choose what is better... Focus on what's important. If I'm focused on what's important, I'm less likely to be distracted, right? Uh, A text from the Proverbs, uh, beautiful um, imagery. 
Set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead, ignoring life's distraction. John was thinking about running on the trail. When you run on the trail, what do you have to do? Fix your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose. Running on the road, you can look around. Running on the trail, you cannot enjoy the scenery. Not if you want to stay upright. I got thought about driving. It's so easy to be distracted when you're driving, right? And if you're distracted for very long, how, how often have you felt oh, the car going this way, car going that way? Set your gaze on the path before you. Ignore life's distractions. Don't get distracted by these things on side to side of your life. Text goes on. Watch where you're going. <laughs> Stick to the path of truth and the road will be safe and smooth before you. Truth is always safe. And then it finishes up this way. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked. That's another word for distracted, right? Don't let yourself be sidetracked for even a moment. Well, I, man, that's, I guess I tracked pretty easily. Um, especially on the Internet. Can't you just chase one rabbit after another, right? Don't take the detour that leads to darkness. So, focus. Now put on your outline. It's a fight to focus. We all are easily distracted, and there's so many out there. It's a fight to focus, but it's worth the fight. It's worth staying focused on stuff that of value, stuff that is better rather than lesser stuff. Another imagery I like is from Hebrews chapter 12. Who knows what Hebrews chapter 11 is about? Anybody? It's a list of people from the Old Testament. Sometimes it's called the heroes of faith. You know, it talks about Abraham and Moses and all these folks. So that's, there's this chapter. The author is writing this about all these people the, that were godly people in the past. So then you get to chapter 12. Of course, the text wasn't written in chapters. We divide it up that way. So as he continues writing it, he says this. So since we stand surrounded by all those who go before us, an enormous cloud of witnesses. So we have this tradition, right? So since we have this great tradition, let us drop every extra weight. Isn't that a neat image? When I go running, I don't like to carry any more weight than I have to. Uh, some people that hike carry those 40-pound packs. Man, when I run, I'm on I'm as light as possible. Let us drop every extra weight. Every sin that clings to us and slackens our pace. You know, when I run, I, I calculate how long it takes me to go so far, and I figure out my pace. And I want it to be better, obviously, than, than less. So it uses the, the term run. So let us run. Not walk, not sit, not just stand there. Let us run with endurance a long race set before you. Uh, life is an ultra marathon. It's not a, not a sprint. It's going to go on for a long time. And to run a long time takes endurance. And then <laughs> he says, stay focused. Focused where? On who? They focused on Jesus, who designed and perfected our faith. And then he describes what Jesus did for us. He endured the cross, ignored the shame of that death. How did he do that? Because he stayed focused. 
Because he focused on the joy that was set before him. What was the joy for Jesus? That he paid your sin debt and mine. And we get to have a relationship with God. Our sins forgiven. A relationship with God. Because of what he did. This tremendous act. And now, he's seated beside God on his throne. A place of honor. When I thought about this tract, I thought about Peter. Disciples are in a boat one day. And Jesus comes to him walking on the water. Now, we, get, we knock Peter, but I don't know anybody else besides Jesus and Peter that walked on water. Do you? That's the only two. Peter said, Jesus, I'm going to walk on the water like you are. And Peter said, Jesus says, come on, Peter. And Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking on the water. We don't know how long he's out there walking on the water, but the text says, if you read it, that he got distracted by what? The wind and the waves. And a realization probably, hey, I'm not supposed to be able to walk on water. And he starts sinking and he cries out to Jesus, uh, save me, and he does. So you may, or all of us at times have been sinking, haven't we? We have been distracted and we get sinking. Came across this story, a story I'd heard before, but it reminded me of this principle. Um, Peter Drucker tells the story. He's at a time management seminar, and I've been to some of these. And the speaker up front, and some of you might have heard this, he got a glass jar. And he took some rocks, some stones, I don't know, half a dozen stones, all he could put in there. And then he asked the class, the group, the seminar, is the jar full? A couple of people said, yeah, it's full. Without saying a word, skipping a beat, he gets some pea gravel. Pours a bunch of it in that same jar. Yes, is the jar full? Crowd's part trying to catch up. Somebody said, I, well, I think so. He gets a bucket of sand. Pours sand in it. Fills in around the gravel and the stones. Is the jar full? At this point, there's nobody's answering. <laughs> gets a pitcher of water. Pours water in the jar. He said, okay, what's the lesson? Somebody says, oh, there's always time to, uh, time to cram in more. He said, no, you didn't get the point. He said, you've got to put the rocks in first. If you don't put them in first, you can't get them in. Jesus said this way. Seek first. His kingdom, God's kingdom, and His righteousness, rocks. All these other things can be added later will be given to you. Someone's termed this the tyranny of the urgent. I have to check and see who said that. You know, I got to do this. I got to do this. And the important stuff can always wait. Well, no, the rocks can't always wait. If they're not put in first. If they're not priority one, they won't happen. I came across a term I liked. It's called wind Win buckets. <clears throat> These are things that are your rocks, your things that are priorities, your things that are important. I'll give you a few of ours. Deb and I made this list. <clears throat> and these are things, if you don't make them priority, will not happen. Okay? So, radical hospitality. Okay. Or radical generosity, if you prefer. So, uh, we had a couple opportunities to do that this week. So, win. Win. Uh, meaningful conversations. 
not just how you're doing, doing okay, you know. Um, had an opportunity to have a couple of meaningful conversations about, you know, important stuff uh, this week. Um, I'm a <clears throat> task-oriented person, <laughs> and so, and most of you know me, know that sometimes I neglect people. Uh, people-oriented people think they're better than task-oriented people, but if you didn't have task-oriented people, guess what? Nothing would get done. If you didn't have Martha's, nobody would eat, right? But you have to have balance. And so for me I, and my wife both, my wife's a better person, people person than I am, but we're both task-oriented people. So we have to say people over production. It always isn't about the task. Another thing we struggle with, and it should be a priority according to God and according to Scripture, is planned rest. So we even got that done this week too. I went out to lunch Friday. Later on, finished watching a movie we had started earlier in the week. We can't even get through one movie at a time, but um, planned rest. So, they were wins for us this week, and your list could be longer than that. Your list is obviously going to be different than ours. But things that are your rocks, your priorities, that if you don't make them a priorities, probably won't get done. And then lastly, real quickly, if you're going <coughs> to choose what is better, Got to listen to the voice of God. There's so many voices out there, isn't there? Especially with the internet. Listen to the voice of God. A text from Isaiah. Your ears will hear a word behind you. So God doesn't just shout at us in our face usually. It's kind of a whisper, still small voice. Say this way, walk in it, whenever you turn to the right or the left. So how does God speak? Well, if you ever have trouble hearing God speak, just start reading this book. <laughs> and read something like Proverbs or read something like the Gospels. You can't read it very long without hearing God speak to you. But God speaks to other people. I hate to admit it, but my wife is often the voice of God <laughs> to me. Um, songs. Maybe God spoke to you. Often God speaks to me through the songs that the praise team does or I might hear. Uh, God uses circumstances to speak to us. All kinds of ways. The key is the what? To listen. To listen. My wife and I have more difficulty hearing than we used to. And so it's not, a, not an effort to want to listen, but it's an effort to even hear what is speaking. So you can hear God if you desire to listen. So don't let the voice of the world distract you from the voice of God. Okay, I asked a question earlier. Here it is. What does God truly desire? God desires intimacy with you and I. We had a family over some kids this week, and, and uh, as they were leaving, this one little girl came up and hugged my legs because she was about this high. And I got to thinking about that. I said, that's what God wants to do. He wants us, he wants us to let him hug us, intimacy. The devil doesn't need to destroy you if he can distract you. So I want you to take this seriously. So I gave you an assignment. Next step. Make a list of your rocks. Important goals. And then figure out what's keeping you from doing those things. Make a list. And then, of course, develop a plan to keep the first things, the rocks, first. Let me pray with you. 
Uh, Father God, thank you for uh, the wisdom of your word. So much good advice, guidance, instruction, and uh, your word from this morning. <clears throat> I know maybe it's just me. It just seems like it's so much easier to be distracted with the inter- since the internet and cell phones. Uh, they all serve a good purpose, uh, but we can be distracted. So let us strive to do what is better, or do what is best, as opposed to something else. As always, um, those of you that may have not entered into a relationship with God, that have never accepted that enormous, gracious gift of Jesus, that he came to earth to suffer and die so that we might be forgiven and in relationship with God so that there could be an intimacy with us and with God. You're not intimate with God, and God wants to be intimate with you. He wants to put his arms around you if you will just accept his gift. Confess your sins, confess the fact that you push God away, and say, no, I want, a, I, I want a different future. I want a better future. I want a better future in relationship with God. And just ask Jesus, please forgive me. I accept your gift. And your life will be changed, transformed forever for the best. God, most of us listening or or watching are believers. And our struggle isn't with having a relationship with you. It's having an intimate relationship with you and letting lesser things uh, pull us apart, distract us. And God, we just pray for clarity of mind, for uh, more ability to to resist uh, distractions and to to focus. Uh, Because it benefits me and and it benefits your kingdom, and it, and it is uh, honoring to you. So we thank you for teaching us the, the desire of your heart, which should be the desire of our heart. God, I thank you for these folks. Do your work in their lives for your glory and for that their lives might be better. And we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. <clears throat>